This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Something to note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single myth about the Griffin. Today's episode draws upon a number of legends and stories from cultures around the world to explore the history of this majestic and fearsome beast. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and this is ParCast's Mythical Monsters, Each week, we discuss a different legendary creature from mythology. We seek to understand the cultures they come from and why they've struck terror into our hearts for centuries. Last week, we completed our series on biblical monsters with the Nephilim, born from the unholy coupling of disobedient angels and human women. The Nephilim were violent giants who terrorized mankind in the days before the Great Flood. Be sure to check the episode out if you haven't already. Today we're discussing the griffin, part eagle, part lion. These formidable creatures have commanded respect for centuries. Today, the griffin is used as a symbol of strength, but hundreds of years ago, its incredible size and power instilled true dread. You can listen to every episode of Mythical Monsters as well as all other ParCast originals on Spotify. The griffin is one of the oldest beasts in mythology. Carvings of this eagle-lion hybrid can be found in ancient Persian and Egyptian architecture dating back to the 4th millennium BCE. Since then, it has featured in the myths and legends of cultures around the globe, from medieval Europe to Mongolia, the Middle East, and India. While there is some variation between cultures, the griffin is most often depicted as a beast with the body of a lion and the head, wings, and front talons of an eagle. Both the eagle and lion are considered kings of their domain. And by combining the two, the griffin's physical form exudes majesty. Like a powerful king, it commands fear and respect both on the earth and in the skies above. 
The griffin is most prevalent in the mythology of ancient Greece. Griffins were said to act as Zeus's hounds, first referenced by the Greek playwright Aeschylus in his epic Prometheus Bound. In this text, he eerily warned, Beware the sharp-beaked hounds of Zeus that bark not, the griffins. And Zeus is not the only Greek figure that's tied to this majestic beast. Alexander the Great and the Amazonian warriors were both said to have ridden griffins into battle. But the griffin's most enduring connection in Greek mythology is to the sun god Apollo. Ancient Greek artists frequently depicted these majestic winged beasts as Apollo's steeds, pulling his chariot through the cosmos. It was this association that led the griffin to become a symbol of the sun as well as the earth, with wisdom to match its ferocious nature. During the Persian Empire's reign, the griffin was associated with protection from witchcraft and other evil forces. For while the griffin has been revered at many points throughout history, it has also been feared. Later Greek tapestries show the griffin as a terrifying man-killer, while Mesopotamian art depicts it as an ally of the devil himself. This dichotomy of reverence and fear was captured by the Greek historian Herodotus in the 5th century BCE. He had heard of the griffins through the reading of a poem by a traveler named Aristeas. Aristeas's poem has long been lost, but Herodotus detailed aspects of the story in a text called The Histories. There he described a griffin who guarded a treasure deep in a mine, and the few souls who were foolish enough to dare to steal from it. Twelve figures crept through the darkness, each clutching a crudely made weapon, their bodies were like those of men, but their faces were not, for they each had only a single eye. They were Arimaspians, one-eyed warriors who lived at the base of the mountain, and they were here for gold. Vadas, the leader of the group, felt his way along the narrow cavern tunnel. He gestured for his men to keep following. They made their way forward as quietly as they could manage until at last they emerged into a vast cavern. Stalagmites and stalactites stretched from the floor and ceiling, giving the impression of a great toothy mouth. Vadas raised his torch, and the Aramaspians beheld an incredible sight. Between the dripping rocks was a treasure unlike any they had seen. Gold and jewels glinted in the torchlight. There was not a space on the cave floor that was not covered with riches. The Aramaspians gaped, amazed by the glory before their eyes. Vadas was the first to regain his senses. His eyes scanned the darkness, looking for the beast he knew was there. He nodded again to his men and urged them to hurry. 
The Aramaspians pulled out large satchels and got to work. They shoveled coins into their bags, grabbing emeralds and golden goblets like fistfuls of candy. They did not notice a pair of eyes glistening in the darkness behind them. Vadas tensed as he looked around. A feeling of unease ran up his spine. It traveled into his stomach as he slowly turned to look behind him. The griffin lunged from the darkness, its feathers flashing with the same golden hue as the treasure. For the briefest moment, Vadas was filled with wonder at the sight of the regal beast. In an instant, that awe became fear, for this was a monster, and it aimed to kill. Its wings spread wide, revealing its muscular lion body. Eagle eyes flashed murderously as it clicked its dark, pointed beak. Six-inch talons slashed through the air, raking the body of the nearest Aramaspian. As the griffin moved, it dragged a chain that was clasped around its right foot. It was a prisoner, and the Aramaspians were trespassers in its cell. The Aramaspians ran, but the griffin was on them in an instant. His strong beak crushed bones as his talons ripped the men apart. Vadas slunk toward the wall, unnoticed. He slowly backed away, taking care not to make a sound as he watched his men being torn from limb to limb. As he neared the opening to the corridor they'd entered from, he took a deep, trembling breath. His single eye stared at the beast, fixing on the feathers that covered its body. A look of longing filled his face. He was so close. The griffin suddenly looked up from its bloodbath. Its eyes narrowed as they fixed on Vadas. The lethal look from this terrifying beast was all that Vadas needed. He ran. While the griffin was tearing the Aramaspians to pieces, a rather foolish young man named Hans was standing at the doorstep of a large and well-adorned house, gathering the courage to knock. The moment he did, the door swung open and he found himself face to face with an angry, middle-aged man. How many times do I have to tell you, snarled the man. I will not give my daughter to a pauper. Come back to me when you have something to offer. The door slammed in Hans's face. The young man sighed and hung his head. He had received the same response from his beloved's father each day for the last few months. For a long time, Hans had believed that by showing up at the door again and again, he would eventually prove his love, or at least wear the old man down. But that was seeming less and less likely every day. As Hans stared down at his feet, he noticed that his big toe had poked through the leather of his right shoe. He wiggled it and scowled in defeat. 
As Hans made his way home, he was passed by a slew of men. Their faces were full of excitement, and they were eagerly shouting something about one-eyed men. Hans grabbed a passing man's arm and asked him what was going on. It was the Aramaspians, the man replied. The warriors tried to rob the griffin's mine, and it ripped them to shreds. Perhaps now they'll leave us be. The man ran off to tell his kin, leaving a shocked Hans staring after him. The Aramaspians had long loomed over their small Christian village. They plundered their food stores and supplies, harassed their women. He'd been taught from a young age to fear them. It was certainly good news that they'd been defeated. But the griffin? The griffin was just a legend. Or so Hans had thought. Hans stayed up late that evening, staring at the ceiling of the tiny shack he called home. As a boy, his mother had told him stories about the griffin that lived in the mountains. She had said that it guarded a vast treasure the likes of which had never been seen. Hans sighed. With that kind of wealth, he could purchase land and food for his parents. And most importantly, he could marry his true love. If the griffin had killed the Aramaspians, then the griffin was real. And if the griffin was real, perhaps its treasure was too. Either way, Hans was determined to find out. Coming up, Hans goes looking for the griffin's treasure. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Now back to the story. The writings of the Greek historian Herodotus contain a story related to him by the poet Aristeas. On a previous journey in northern lands, Aristeas encountered a people known as the Isidones. They told him of a warrior race of one-eyed men called the Aramaspians. These men were in a constant battle against griffins that lived in a gold mine deep in the mountains. The fact that Herodotus places this story in the north is significant. To the ancient Greeks, the north was a mysterious, untamed land, populated by barbarians and deadly predators. The endlessly warring griffin and Aramaspians mirror these dangers, while the treasure represents the allure of the unknown. As the Greek and then Roman empires pushed further into Europe and explored lands as distant as modern-day Mongolia, the unknown north shrank. Many of the people who had once been considered barbarians were enveloped by the Roman Empire. Their mystery faded, and the Aramaspians were forgotten. 
But the griffin remained. The half-bird, half-lion beast from Greek and Mesopotamian mythology grew in prominence during the Middle Ages. Griffins are pictured in countless medieval tapestries and works of art. They became a fixture in medieval bestiaries, the illustrated texts that documented legendary creatures alongside real ones. Often these compendiums did not differentiate between the factual and imaginary creatures they described, but there are several historical examples that demonstrate that some medieval Europeans saw the griffin as a real animal. The author John Mandeville claimed to have glimpsed one during his travels in the 1300s, and Saint Cuthbert, a 7th century monk from England who was widely regarded as a miracle worker, was said to have owned two griffin eggs and claws. Centuries later, an excavation of Saint Cuthbert's shrine revealed that these items were actually ostrich eggs and goat horns, but they likely gave him a large amount of prestige during his time. Griffin parts were said to possess magical healing properties, especially when they were acquired by a holy person. In particular, the griffin's feather was said to have the ability to heal and cure blindness. But the griffin's biggest claim to fame during the medieval ages was its use as a symbol of military and political power. The lion and eagle are both strong animals, each considered a king of their own domain. Perhaps it's not surprising then that many a conqueror and would-be warlord sought to claim their hybrid as a sigil. The griffin was emblazoned on coats of arms, shields, and banners. Its inclusion was intended to both frighten enemies and comfort serfs, evidence that whoever wore it had the strength and right to rule and to protect. But while knights, kings, and holy men were busy using griffins as symbols of prestige and power, many common people began to see them in a different light. Medieval writers and storytellers depicted griffins as greedy, miserly creatures, hoarding their riches like the nobles who wore them on their crests. The Brothers Grimm made this sort of connection in their short story, The Griffin, the tale sees its eponymous beast as the adversary of a poor young man tasked with stealing its treasure, something far more valuable than gold. Hans wandered through the verdant field, following the babbling brook he'd come upon earlier that morning. He was heading toward the mountain where the Aramaspians were said to live. He hoped that he would find the cave of the griffin nearby. But Hans had never been particularly athletic, and he was growing tired. As his breathing grew more labored and his calves began to ache, it struck him that his plan had not been a good one. How was he, a pauper, going to rob a creature that had torn a tribe of one-eyed warriors to shreds? especially when he didn't even know where the creature lived. He was just contemplating turning back when he heard the sound of men arguing. Hans crept to a ridgeline and peered over its crest. Far below, he could see tents and campfires peppered between the trees. Looking closer, 
he saw that the men milling about were not normal men at all. They were Aramaspians. Hans trembled with fear as he watched the one-eyed warriors. He thought that it would be best if he left as soon as possible. But before he could move, he felt a sharp, cold instrument pressed against his back. He looked up to find an Aramaspian man towering over him, prodding him with the tip of his spear. Moments later, Hans was dragged into the largest tent and thrown at the feet of the Aramaspian leader. The towering, one-eyed man listened silently as the guard explained how he'd found Hans near the camp's outskirts. When the guard finished, the leader, who was named Vadas, stroked his chin thoughtfully. After a long silence, he addressed Hans in a low, quiet voice. I am impressed, said Vadas. You managed to get very close to my camp without alerting my sentries. You must be a very skilled spy. Hans blanched. I'm not a spy, he exclaimed in a trembling voice. I'm just a man, a pauper. I never intended to come so near to your camp. I was looking for the cave of the griffin. Upon hearing these words, Vadas burst into laughter. His deep bellows filled the tent. Soon the Aramaspian guards joined in. You hope to steal the treasure of the griffin? My best warriors entered that cave and got only sharp claws and a fast death. And you think you can succeed where they have failed? You are one small man, not even a warrior. Vadas stopped suddenly. He stroked his chin, speaking more to himself than to Hans. Perhaps that is what I needed all along. Not a warrior, but a thief. Someone small, quiet. And you did manage to come close to my camp. A smile spread across Vadas's features as he came to a decision. His eye fixed on Hans once again as he spoke. I will make you an offer, interloper. Your life was forfeit the moment you stepped within the bounds of my camp. If you wish to win it back, you must bring me something in return. My guards will take you to the cave of the griffin. You will enter alone. I expect the beast will save me the effort of killing you, but if you survive... Hans nodded eagerly. I'll bring you the treasure, he stammered. Let me live and I'll bring you anything you want. Vidas's smile spread wider. No, he said. In exchange for your life, you must bring me a treasure that is far greater than gold or jewels. The griffin's feather. Anything else you take is yours to keep, but the feather is mine. Hans agreed to the Aramaspian's terms, as if he had any option not to. Three of Vadas's guards led him to a dark cave at the base of the mountain. Hans trembled as he stared into the darkness, but one look back at the guards reminded him that this was his only chance. If he did not retrieve the griffin's feather, he was a dead man. Hans turned back toward the cave and stepped inside.
he carefully moved down the stone corridor that led to the griffin's lair, using the wall for support as he felt his way in the darkness. A loud crunching sound startled him. He had stepped on something. Hans looked down to see that it was a large skull with a single gaping eye socket, the skull of an Aramaspian warrior. Hans took a deep breath, trying to calm himself. After a moment, he pressed forward. He walked for a long time until the enveloping darkness and quiet threatened to drive him mad. Just as he was starting to lose his nerve, he noticed that the tunnel was growing wider. Up ahead, the mouth of the corridor opened into a vast cavern. And there was something else, a sound. Something was snoring. Hans peered into the cavern and stifled a gasp of shock. His eyes drank in the hoard of treasure that lay in the cavern ahead. But the most impressive sight of all was the griffin itself. Its great body lay stretched on a pile of coins, fast asleep. Hans crept toward the sleeping griffin. His eyes had adjusted somewhat to the dark, and he couldn't help but glance down at the piles of gold littering the floor. The griffin was still asleep. He could fill his pocket and run. A few coins would change his life forever. But if he didn't get the feather, his life would be over. He moved toward the griffin, getting closer and closer and closer. Soon the griffin's tail loomed before him. Hans stared at it in awe. It was the tail of a lion with a plume of sharp golden feathers at its tip. Hans glanced up at the beast's eagle face even in sleep, it was terrifying. Its muscled lion body rose and fell with each breath. Its vast wings were folded behind it, and its talons were bared. Stealing himself, Hans reached toward the griffin's tail. His fingers closed around a soft feather, and then, quickly, he pulled. The feather came off easily, but a loud snort filled his heart with panic. Hans dove beneath a gold-plated table as the griffin stirred. The great creature raised its head and looked around its hoard. Hans was well out of sight and ducked down even lower to avoid the griffin's gaze. Then a low, rumbling voice filled the cavern. Was it you who pulled my tail? Asked the griffin. Coming up, Hans meets the griffin. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now back to the story. Hans was in trouble. He'd left home hoping to find a legendary treasure said to be guarded by a griffin, but it wound up running afoul of the one-eyed Aramaspians. Their leader agreed to let Hans go in exchange for the griffin's feather. Hans did as he was asked. He entered the cave, and instead of taking the gold and running, he plucked a single feather from the sleeping griffin's tail. Now the griffin was awake. Was it you who pulled my tail? It asked for a second time. Its deep voice echoed off the walls. Hans trembled with fright as it shifted on its massive haunches. But the griffin was not looking at Hans. Its eyes were fixed on the far corner of the cave. Hans followed its gaze and saw an Aramaspian man cowering in the darkness. His legs were broken. He sat there, his single eye filled with terror as he beheld the beast. Hans watched as the griffin slowly stood, rising up to his full height. He'd seen a lion only once, but he was sure the griffin was twice as large. Its eagle head almost scraped the roof as it approached the Aramaspian. The one-eyed man did not even have time to scream before the griffin lunged. Hans ducked out of sight as the griffin tore into its dinner. The sound of tearing flesh and crunching of bones filled the cave for what felt like an hour. Hans cowered behind the golden table, shaking with dread. He looked at the golden feather in his hand. He had what he had come for. If he could get out of the cavern now, while the griffin was distracted, he might make it back to the sunlight. The Aramaspians would let him go in exchange for the feather. He would be free, free to return to his life as a pauper. Hans's jaw tightened. He had come here to change his life so that he could finally marry the woman he loved. If he was to be worthy of her, he could not give up yet. Hans thrust his hand into the pile of gold. He filled his pockets with as much as they would hold. Then he stood and was just about to make a run for the tunnel when the griffin finished its meal. Hans ducked back down behind the table as the griffin yawned and licked its blood-speckled beak. Then it sniffed the air loudly, suddenly alert. In a low growl, it whispered, I smell a Christian. The griffin began to stalk around, knocking his treasures as he went. He continued to sniff loudly. Hans closed his eyes in fear. The griffin's rumbling voice came again. 
I am a creature of the air and the earth. There is nowhere you can go that I cannot find you. With a swipe of its mammoth talons, the griffin knocked the table to the side. Hans cowered on the floor, now completely exposed. He shut his eyes and waited for the razor claws to rake through his flesh. But they didn't come. After a moment, he cracked an eyelid. The griffin was still standing over him. It was using its feathers to pick bits of Aramaspian flesh from its fur, while still watching him out of one eye. Curious that I did not hear you enter. You were much quieter than those one-eyed monsters. Quieter, but just as greedy, it seems. The griffin's tail swung around to brush against Hans's pockets. A few gold coins fell out and clattered to the ground. Hans swallowed and took a step backward. The griffin had finished preening and now turned its head to watch him with both eyes. As the creature took a step toward Hans, his eyes landed on the chain fixed to its leg. You're a prisoner here, Hans said without thinking. The griffin stopped. So I am, it growled. I'm sure it is strange to think that something as large as I could be held by such a small chain. It is made of adamantine, unbreakable metal. There's a hidden latch somewhere, but for all my talents, I do not have the dexterity to reach it. A cruel trick by those who put me here. Hans looked from the chain to the griffin's face. Its cold demeanor had softened slightly. It seemed tired, sad even. It was probably lonely here, Hans realized. The Aramaspians didn't make for good conversation partners. Well, if it wanted to talk, Hans was happy to let it keep doing just that. Who put you here? He asked. The griffin's eyes flashed, and it clicked its beak angrily as it replied, The same evildoers that amassed the treasure you see before you, greedy beings. They separated me from my mate and chained me here to watch over their accursed jewels. Hans's face fell. He had intended to keep the griffin occupied, but its words filled him with unexpected sadness. As terrified as he was by the beast, he couldn't help but stand in awe of its majesty. From its powerful wings to its onyx black talons, to the tip of its golden tail, it was unquestionably the most magnificent thing Hans had ever seen. But he needed to keep it talking, so he pressed further. I imagine it must be very difficult for you to be separated from your mate. The griffin fell silent. For a moment, Hans thought he had made a mistake, but then it continued. It is the worst part of all this. Not the loneliness or the long dark, or the fact that I've not felt the wind beneath my wings since before I can remember. It is the hole in my heart, the empty space beside me, 
Without her, I might as well be missing a limb. Hans stared at the beast, but his mind was miles away, at the home of his true love. He thought of how he had felt every day, being separated from her by his own lowly status and her father's expectations. He'd been willing to do anything to get her back. Hans was surprised to hear his voice say, I could try the latch, my hands are small. The griffin cocked his eagle head. He snarled. And why would you do that? I am a beast, you know. Surely you don't think that I will spare you for helping me. Hans nodded, his voice stronger as he replied, I do not imagine you will, but it is not right to keep a king in chains. The griffin's eyes glimmered in the darkness as it considered Hans. At last, it nodded and stretched out its hind paw. Hans inched toward the griffin. He shook as he felt along its massive leg and hard talon. His hand touched the cool metal of the cuff that surrounded the griffin's ankle. He fumbled around the chain until his fingers touched a tiny compartment next to the cuff's hinge. Hans hesitated. The moment the latch was open, the griffin would probably tear him apart. But if he was dead either way, he preferred that the beast go free. At least one of them should be reunited with their true love. Hans flicked open the latch and the cuff sprang open. The griffin threw its head back with a powerful roar. Its eyes flashed as it spread its wings as far as the cave would allow. The griffin leapt high, throwing its weight against a massive stalactite. The sharp rock fell and shattered on the ground. Hans watched in awe as the griffin leaped around the ceiling of the cave, sending more stalactites tumbling to the earth. The reverberations built until the very walls of the cave seemed to be shaking. Hans's eyes widened as he realized what the griffin was doing. It was trying to bring down the cave. Without waiting, he turned and ran. Hans ran down the corridor as the sounds continued behind him. Even the walls of the tunnel were shaking now, as if they might come crashing down at any moment. Soon, Hans could see the faint glimmer of light at the mouth of the tunnel. His lungs screamed for air, but he ran harder. At last, he burst through the entrance into blinding sunlight. Hans blinked and raised his arm. Over a dozen one-eyed soldiers stood before him, all wielding crude swords and spears. At the front of the battalion, Vadaz sat on the back of a huge black stallion, his single eye fixed on the golden feather still clutched in Hans's palm. A smile spread across the Aramaspian's lips. 
he turned to a nearby soldier and said, bring me the feather, kill the little thief. Suddenly, the griffin burst from the mouth of the cave. The feathers of its powerful wings grazed the top of Hans's head as it soared over him. The wings beat once, then twice, as it rose high into the sky. Hans, Vadas, and the Aramaspians watched the majestic beast in awe. Then it dove. The griffin fell upon the Aramaspians with bloodthirsty vigor. Brilliant sunlight flashed off its golden feathers as crimson blood sprayed with abandon. Aramaspian arrows glanced off the magnificent hybrid beast as it ripped men apart with its beak and sliced them open with its talons. Hans stood rooted to the spot at the center of the carnage. He spotted Vadas on the back of his steed, charging away into the woods. He had abandoned his men to the griffin's talons, just as he had in the caves. But this time, the griffin was not about to let him go. Vadas was about to disappear into the woods when the beast caught him. He screamed in pain as the beast's hooked talons sunk into his back. It lifted him from the saddle and carried him high into the air. They went up and up and up, and then the griffin released Vadas. The Aramaspian leader plunged to the earth with frightening speed. His body slammed into the ground with a sickening thud. Hans blinked through the cloud of dust created by Vadas's impact. The field was littered with the shredded and broken bodies of the Aramaspian horde. Only he was left standing. The griffin flew over Hans, its powerful body casting a shadow on the grass around him. Hans watched as the awe-inspiring creature flew into the world beyond, growing smaller and smaller until he disappeared altogether. A smile spread across Hans's face. No doubt the griffin had gone in search of its love. Now it was time for him to do the same. He turned and strode away from the cave, his pockets jingling with coins. In his right hand, he clutched the griffin's golden feather. Things were looking up. The Griffin by the Brothers Grimm features the creature in the role of an adversary, but it's hardly a mindless beast. While it's undeniably ferocious and far from a friend to humans, it possesses great wisdom. It's notable that in the story, the Griffin is attuned to the smell of Christians, likely a connection to the Griffin's esteemed place in Christian symbology. For centuries, the griffin has been used within Christianity as a symbol of the divine. Because of its unique status as a creature of both heaven and earth, it's been used to represent Jesus Christ himself. 
To the Catholic Church, the griffin is a symbol of fidelity. Griffins are said to mate for life and to not seek out a new mate if something were to happen to theirs. Therefore, they're a solid emblem of marital integrity. From religion to politics to war to fairy tales, the griffin has found its way into nearly every facet of life. The lion is cunning, strong, and brave, but also a deadly adversary. The eagle is no less ferocious, but also wise, watching over the earth from far above. It's this duality that makes the griffin such a powerful symbol. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode. For more information on the griffin, amongst the many sources we used, we found Aristeas of Proconisos, the Aramispea, and the Homeric Tradition by Stefano Vecchiato, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythical Monsters, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythical Monsters on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythical Monsters in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Mm-hmm.